Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 290th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins. Joining me, a fly route across the Harpeth River for me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? Um, yeah, so a, a thing happened on Monday with uh, with my Bulldogs, and I'm sure we'll get back in. I'm sure we'll get into it. We can't get into it, though, without the third amigo in the second city, a man who is much more well-versed in history than P.J. Fleck. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh <laughs> Cook. Did I miss a P.J. Fleck comment? Did he say yes, something you did. stupid? Oh. Yes, you did. What did he say? Oh, uh, P.J. Okay. Fleck said, uh, quote, 50 years ago, Minnesota was Alabama. That's where I'm trying to get back to. Um, let's. Uh, their record in 1972 was 4 and 7. 1971, 4 and 7. 1970, yeah. 3, 6 and 1. 1969, 4, 5 and 1. Yeah, he was a little about three off. decades off. I think you're looking for the uh, late 30s, early 40s there, sir. Yeah, I think their last title uh, was like 49, 50, some, somewhere around there. They won one after World War 67. II. 67. 67 was is. their last Big Ten title. Um, yeah, but I think they had a national title also in the uh, late 40s or 50s. Uh, 1960. Yeah, that was their last one. Which is really ironic because they lost the Rose Bowl that year. Yet True. still finished number one. They lost the Rose Bowl to Washington 17 to seven, but still finished in all the polls at number one. Oh, Bernie Beerman's last one was 41. Was, that's the one I was thinking was a little later. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize they won it uh, the last year before World War II. Mm-hmm. The point is they were definitely Bama in the 1940s, right? Uh, I mean, yep, he was saying they 40s. were in the, in the 70s. So, uh, I mean, if you want to go back to the 70s, I mean, they had, uh, two winning seasons the entire decade. Definitely, definitely, definitely the same as what Nick Saban's doing right now. The one bowl game <laughs> they went to uh, in the seventies was the nineteen seventy seven Hall of Fame Classic, where they lost to Maryland seventeen to seven. Oof. So, yeah, you might want to uh, brush up on your history there. You're too busy rowing the boat. <laughs> so, there's no time for uh, books inside your boat. What are you talking about? I mean, they're going to get wet. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website await you when you head on over to betonline.ag to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, guys. Well, you know what time it is. We just had the national title game, two national title games. We'll get to the FCS one here in a bit, but we got to start. I mean, we are we are a one third Georgia podcast, or as as we said uh, in, in our last show, two morons and a Georgia fan. Well, <laughs> the Georgia fan is 
I think still basking in the glow here two days later, a little, a little less than 48 hours after the dogs won the first championship of your lifetime coach. Just mm. uh, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, where does this rank on greatest moments of your life? Uh, I mean, you know, greatest sports moments of my life. It, it's gotta be number one at this yeah. point. Um, you know, obviously, obviously Huck being born and, and getting married are, are, are the two greatest uh, life moments that I've ever had. But uh, a, a Georgia natty is, is, is right there. I was going to, I had it, I had it, but I had it at number three uh, between uh, number two, getting married to your wife, and number four, losing your virginity. So uh, I, mean, yeah, I, I figured that was a, that, that was a pretty good one. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I figured it was going to be Huck number one, then the national title and then getting married. That is going to be a sandwich in between. Well, I, I can assure you that I, you know, having spoken with having you know spoken with Coach during the night on Monday, and having been at Coach's wedding, uh, Coach was definitely drunker at his wedding. So, I mean, he he did manage to get on stage and forget the lyrics to his favorite song. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. I I got up there and I I I got I nailed the first verse. I was great, and then here comes the second verse. I'm like, oh crap! How does it start? Yeah. So, but that was uh, a, that was one of the best weddings I've ever been to. That was the party of the century. We're not here to talk about that. We're going to talk about the latest party of the century. Uh, speaking of drunk Stetson Bennett, I still, I think still is drunk after that game. There was some property destroyed in Indy. I guarantee yeah, there that. was. And, well, and I think there was some property destroyed in Athens as well. So let's, let's go back to it, coach. I mean, Georgia wins 33 to 18, but mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was in, it was in question for a long while there. So take us through the game in your eyes. Well, I mean, you, you, you come out uh, to start the game defensively. I, I think uh, Alabama goes roaring down the field uh, first series and, and uh, you, you hold them to a field goal. So that's, you know, that, that's, a, that's a result on that first series thinking, okay, that's a great start. You know, Alabama, you know, they look sharp coming out and then, and then Georgia gets the ball and, and Stetson pees down his leg. I mean, he goes backwards. Uh, it, it causes a fumble on himself, recovers it. I mean, just anything catastrophic that could have happened in those first couple of series to Georgia, the penalties were, were astounding, but yes, you know, that's I, a guy that got a lucky bounce on that when he just dropped the ball, when he was scrambling, because mm -hmm. that, that easily could have been a turnover, but just bounced right back up to him. Yeah, and then uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere, Tom Brady uh, got a Woody uh, with, with the Tuck rule there on Bryce Young. Uh, that was—I uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it could have gone either way. I, I just thought it was questionable, and you know, I, you know, again, it, it sucks that they had to take the touchdown off the board. But you know, it's—it's it's a hard call to make, to be honest with you. So I, I don't hate it too much, but. Uh, it's just one of it brought back the Tyler Simmons offsides call uh, bad memories there. So, uh, but you know, you, you go in halftime, you're, you're, you're down nine to six and your offense has really kind of played terrible uh, the entire first half. So nine, six is a result that you're elated about uh, with, with the way the offense had played up to that point. Uh, whereas you, know, you had a few opportunities, but not much. They were few and far between um, and, and not necessarily because you were playing sloppy, but because, you couldn't contain Dallas Turner, Christian Harrison, and, and Will Anderson uh, on on Alabama's defense, and so uh, you, you go into second. You go into the second half. Uh, both teams have kind of this has been kind of like a heavyweight fight. You go into the second half. The, the teams have been feeling each other out the whole the whole way. Just jab here, jab there, dance around the ring. You know, 
kind of attempt a haymaker here and there, you know, throw a few, throw a few bigger punches. But, you know, the, the later you got into the game, the more both of these teams kind of woke up a little bit. And I, I think for Georgia, the best thing that could have happened to their offense was seeing Brian Robinson start to rumble on that one series uh, and, and starting to see him start kind of wake up. And I think that kind of shook Todd Munkin a little bit. And, and he's like, wait a second. Yeah. We can do that too. And then he finally did it. He finally committed more to the run, and, and Georgia's offense really opened up because guess what? That's what they do with Stetson Bennett. They run. They play action. They, When I say they move the pocket, they don't necessarily sprint him out or roll him out to the edge, but they do things that, that moves him off center a little bit that allows him to kind of drift around in the pocket a little bit uh, after the play fakes and things. And, and it really kind of it, – it just for some reason that makes him more comfortable than just straight drop back. So, uh, you know, Stetson got a little bit more com- uh, comfortable. And, you know, after that fumble that he had that really probably should have been uh, an incomplete pass with intentional grounding – uh, I thought he bounced back tremendously. That throw he made to uh, Adani Mitchell on the free play was outstanding. I mean, he put that on a dime. Uh, the the ball he delivered to Brock Bowers with the guy punching him in the face uh, was outstanding as well on, on the RPO. Uh, but, you know, I thought Stetson Bennett did a phenomenal job of recovering after some near-catastrophic things happened to him. Uh, he didn't fold. This Georgia team psych- psychologically did not fold when they had probably 10 chances to fold like they normally would have, and they, they did a month ago. So hats off, man. I mean, it, it was a really good, hard-fought game. Uh, it, was one of those, it was one of those games where, like, you hated to see a team lose, um, but I'm, I'm, glad, uh, I, I'm glad it was my team that didn't have to lose that one. So, you know, two plays stood out to me. I mean, the, the Mitchell touchdown, obviously, you, you talked about. That was a ridiculous play. There were two plays, though, that – made me, you know, you know, almost like my heart skip a beat. One of them was the George Pickens catch. Yeah. That that was surreal. And the other one was the Kenny McIntosh catch, I think over the middle where he like bobbled it four times with a defender yeah. right on him and caught it for a first down. And to me, that was a huge play. Because it was third down and it was yeah. a conversion. Yeah. Uh, that was a huge play. Um, and it was one of those where you're like, oh no. <laughs> um, and the George Pickens catch. I mean, what what you don't what a lot of people don't realize about that is that ball was if that ball was six inches further, George Pickens probably walking into the end zone, mm-hmm. um, which is which is crazy. But yes, those those two plays definitely stood out to me. Uh, that that first throw on, on that same series with the Kenny McIntosh catch that that eighteen yard uh, sideline route to to Jermaine Burton was a freaking laser beam. And that that was the throw that I'm like, okay, Stetson's here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Josh, I know you always, uh, you know, talk about not watching the game, but I know for a fact you did. I did watch this game because that's how much I love Coach. Yeah. Not, not going to lie, I did watch it. And so um, what, did you, what, what did you think as a, as a, as a quasi-neutral observer? Well, I thought after the totally botched <laughs> reverse that we were seeing Georgia have a meltdown. <laughs> um, but, but coach talked about how they. Yeah. Cause, really, cause the next play after that reverse was the, was the fumble, was the fumble. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Oh God, um, here we go. You know, I, uh, I thought ESPN's commentators, uh, the, the amount of times that Herbie and those guys were talking about the, 
injuries to Alabama wide receivers. I thought this was going to get framed as a uh, oh Georgia didn't deserve it. Thankfully, it, I, it's such it's such yeah. a lazy take, man. And, yeah. and there's a lot of people that do have that take. Thankfully, I I haven't seen it as much as I was worried about during the game. But uh, the thing that stuck for me is the reason I have been uh, questioning Alabama this year is their offensive line play. And it reared its ugly head again in the worst possible game, the national title game. They could not run the ball at at all. At mm-hmm. all. Brian Robinson, 22 carries, 68 yards. Um, Bryce Young. Four sacks for up. minus 43 yeah. yards. I mean, yeah. the running backs combined for 24 carries for 73 yards. I mean, that's, is not three yards, that's three yards yeah. a carry. Yeah, so bad offensive line play. And, I mean, even, even with your wide receivers out, I mean, they still had talent all over the field. They had Cameron uh, Latow, Latou. I don't know. Cameron Latou. 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 Latou, the tight end, uh, was their leading receiver. He was awesome. In the game, I, I thought some of the young guys came in. There were some really nifty plays to get them space, and they just didn't do enough of that. I think it was an offensive line issue, and I think it was a Bill O'Brien issue in this game. I mean, uh, you, you had, honestly, I mean, you really only lost Jamison Williams. They've yeah. had these injuries for quite some time. Agreed. You, you had a month to kind of prepare your playoff run mm-hmm. to get Cameron Latou more involved, to get Ja'Cory Brooks more involved, to see what Slade Bolden could do more so in the game. Um, and, and I thought the play calling was 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 really bad. I thought the preparation for a contingency plan because either, Jay, you know, the worst case scenario was Jameson Williams getting hurt, but – you had to know as a play caller that, yeah, Mechie's out. So teams are going to key in on Jamison Williams. Okay, maybe I should have something around that to kind of take advantage of. Okay, they're probably going to bracket Jamison Williams now. They never really, it didn't seem like they really ever did. It, it no. almost seemed like Bill O'Brien was in panic mode. Well, I think it's interesting to say Bill O'Brien in panic mode because on the final drive for, uh, the game, obviously, Alabama had one more drive, but the, by that point, they were down 15. Um, in that final drive that ended on the pick six by Ringo, Bama gets a first down with well over a minute left in all three timeouts. First and 10 at Georgia 44. Deep. Going for the Enza. Second down. Deep. Going for a huge chunk play. Third down. Deep. Picked off by Ringo because it was underthrown. What are they doing? Why are those those three play calls? Yeah, well, why, why don't you? Well, uh, why don't you? You have plenty of time. You, you're you're getting ten yards a ten yards a clip on on these pass plays. I mean, George is playing. George is basically getting pressure and playing everything underneath. Um, and why are you not? Why are you not hitting Slade Bolden on the sideline for yep. eight yards out of bounds? Or uh, using Latou over the middle, who had been yeah. a great option for the whole game. Well, that's what they did yeah. to set up the the first down just but, before yeah. those three but, plays. But, in, but instead, you know, your play calls are, are are deeper down the field, and you have a quarterback that's been getting tattooed every time he every time he drops back to pass. He got, I mean, honestly, he got a little rattled. He he started looking at the rush. He started getting the ball early. Uh, out of his hands too early. 
I, I think I think some of the power on his throws was effective because he wasn't fully stepping into it because every time he did, he would get laid out. So, yeah. I mean, to, to say that, you know, just because we didn't get a, a, a ton of sacks on Bryce Young, knocking him down, being in his face all night long affected him down the stretch. Mm-hmm. The final thing about the game, too, and why anyone doing the narrative that Alabama was too injured to win, which is just BS, like I said, but the final yeah, I mean, one got is... five stars everywhere. Yeah. The final one is the Alabama defense broke down. Um, Georgia asserted their will more and more and more and more as the game went on. As they started gaining momentum and realizing that, hey, <laughs> this is our game. I think the yeah. offensive line said screw it yeah. we're going to take this thing over and and, yeah. and they did if yeah. you take if you take away the pick six georgia scored 13 offensive points in the fourth quarter um and you know the the game if this had been a five quarter game georgia probably would have won 40 to 18 if this had been a six quarter game which doesn't make sense because then you're up to six but you get the point bama was wearing down Bama's only hope was if this had been a hockey game, they only played three periods because Georgia was the better team on Monday. Um, and that's all that matters in this type of tournament. So they split the season series, but Georgia won the big one and Georgia gets the big banner and they were the better team on Monday. Yeah. And they were, you know, I think they were the better team all season. You know, obviously the, so S- the SEC title game was, I don't want to say an aberration, but I think that the SEC title it, game. It wasn't a fluke, but then again. But Georgia, Georgia packed it in in the second half of the SEC they, title they, they game. They didn't do anything to help them. It was also a, themselves out either. Yeah, it was also a must win for Alabama, which people mm-hmm. um, may or may not re- recall. But yeah. Al- if Alabama loses the SEC title game, they are not in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it was a must win for Alabama. And for Georgia we kind of joked that Kirby was playing four dimensional chess, but in reality, Kirby's not an idiot. Kirby's in that second half going, "Mm, we're probably seeing these guys again. Let's maybe not show them our best packages, especially defensively. Yeah. And so I, and so so there there are two things that were, I guess the first thing I want to talk about coach that really, another thing that stood out to me was Georgia's offensive line. Yes, Stetson Bennett was sacked five times, but I think you attribute three of those at least to him trying to scramble too much and try to make something happen. Hang, when hanging on, I know Dallas Turner got one because Stetson mm-hmm. held on to it like he was Tom Brady and and trying to uh, hold on to it for ten seconds. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and it was you know for, for Alabama A, it was only two players. It was Christian Harris who played out of his mind and Dallas Turner who had a coming out party, the true and, and freshman. Of course, and of course, Will Anderson played out of his mind. Well, it was great, but he actually had no sacks in the game. He had a bunch of hits. He was in, he was in his I mean, face. He, he, he affected, he affected, oh, he affected the, the place all the time, but <laughs> Georgia's he, defense, Georgia, when Alabama scored two touchdowns, the only two touchdowns, uh, both of those touchdowns came only when uh, they got the ball in, Georgia territory off of turnovers. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that, that the, a, that's a, that's, that is not as much against the defense as, you know, they didn't have like an 80 yard drive sustained down the field. Right. And especially right. after that fumble, the, 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 the fumble that should have been a, 
uh, intentional grounding. Uh-huh. Like that was just a, that was just a walk in. Basically, they had to go like what, like eighteen yards, something like that. It was like nothing. And even and, even that was kind of a struggle because you had a you had a third you had a third goal play from the six that. Bryce Young had to scramble out because he was flushed from the pocket. He had to scramble out, throw across his body to Cameron Latou on the goal yeah. line. Yeah. So even so, even that was kind of a struggle. And speaking of that defense, um, I mean, there were some great performances, but to me, it was uh, Lewis Seen who just was God, unbelievable. Like, you you talk about you talk about a drastic change from uh, from a month ago. Lewis Seen was was a big chunk of the reason why. Jamison Williams had 200 yards receiving uh, in, mm-hmm. in the first matchup because he couldn't. I mean, he was spinning like a top. He couldn't. I mean, he he couldn't do anything right. He was he was bl- blowing coverages because he was trying to do too much. But in this game, man, he. I mean, that dude was a human eraser. He was making plays in the pass game. He was destroying people. Uh, I mean. The, the, that's the hardest I've seen him hit in quite some time. Well, that's what I was going to say. He was playing downhill all game and it's <clears> such a, it makes such a big difference. Obviously, you know, Keely Ringo and Will Poole to me also played extraordinarily well mm-hmm. for that secondary, but, but to that, me, it, that was, it, a, that was a very underrated change too, because Latavius Brini had been playing that, that star role, which is really kind of that nickel corner slot corner role mm-hmm. uh, for Georgia and Latavius Brini uh, w- was the guy early on and, and throughout the course of the uh, most of the season. And, I mean, he was getting burnt uh, play after play after play. I mean, you know, teams that were able to the, – the very few teams that were able to score touchdowns against Georgia mostly scored them through the air, and uh, a lot of them were on Latavius Brini. He was he was kind of a liability in coverage. He eventually gets benched in place of William Poole, and we see why now. Yeah, definitely. We, we see why. Uh, Josh, anything you want to add here on the game? Well, you mentioned the fumble. Um, there were two things coming out of this game that I would love the rules committee to take a look at and maybe amend. Uh, the first is that tuck rule. Uh, we saw Alabama have a fumble overturned. Georgia have a fumble confirmed. And the two plays were essentially identical. The only difference was Bryce Young's arm was not hit. So his desperation little flip had somewhat of a spiral on it. His arm was pinned. And uh, yeah, and and Stetson's arm was hit. Uh, but like doing these like frame by frame, is it going forward? Is it not? Uh, I think it should just be when you're that far down, just award the sack. Because if Bryce and Stetson had just held on to the ball, they would have gone down. Like they were trying to do these weird plays out of this kind of gray area where you can prevent a sack by quote unquote passing it. Well, who were either of those quarterbacks passing it to uh, in that scenario? Um, Either the intentional grounding rule needs to be better enforced. There are a lot of times where it's like, it does not seem like there's anybody nearby or that, they are not and, and fully they, out of the pocket. Like, and they called word. it. They they called one where like Stetson threw one uh, down the field, and they called intentional grounding. Yeah. And, and I think Bryce threw one down the field in a mm-hmm. similar scenario yeah. where there was nobody, and they didn't call it. Yeah. yeah, just award the defensive effort, award the sack. Like, you know, they do it all the time for forward progress, blowing the play dead. If you have a two hundred and fifty pound 
linemen bear hugging you and you just barely flip your arm forward like that's that's not a pass that's not an intention that's a i'm trying to deliberately get out of a like you've already lost the yards the play was already effed up you either held on to the ball too long or there's an offensive line breakdown award the defensive team for their effort Unless you're Josh so Allen I, on the Bills, because yeah. he threw a touchdown to I think Stephon Diggs or Gabriel Davis this past weekend, where he was he had a defender holding on to him while he was falling out of bounds and just flings it right in there. I mean, but for every one of those successes, there's and also a the, thousand, there's yeah. a thousand other ones. You know, yeah. you're completely and, right. And, yeah, and also that's an NFL play. You now, know. How many touchdowns on Madden uh, do you get with the Stetson Bennett play where he's upside down, he throws it 50 yards down the field? <laughs> um, and then the other one, um, granted, Georgia scored a touchdown on this drive, so the football gods might have been looking at it. might have been a little bit of football karma. But on the uh, first and 10 at the Georgia 43, uh we're talking about nine minutes, 33 seconds left of the fourth. Um, the uh, <laughs> Burton was wide open. There was not anybody near him yeah. uh, other than one Alabama guy who was totally beat. So what does he do? Tackles him. He straight up tackles him. And in college, it's not a spot, spot foul. foul. Yeah, It's a 15-yard pass interference. Well, I'm sorry, that was either a walk-in touchdown or at least a, like, 30-yard game. That's going to set up first and goal, worst-case scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, worst-case scenario, he drops it. But if he catches it, worst-case scenario is first and goal. But frankly, Burton doesn't drop much. so Because he's a Burton, man. That's my cousin. What I would like to see is you get 15 for the defensive pass interference, but just straight-up tackling somebody is not – in the spirit of the game, that appears to me to be an unsportsmanlike penalty. Like, it, but it, you still, it but unsportsmanlike is still the 15, 15 yards. So I, I'm yeah. saying 15 so, for the DPI and an additional 15. dead ball, 15 yard unsportsmanlike conduct. So it's 30. So it's a 30 yard penalty because, uh, I mean, if you tackle anybody else, or, or just in make this scenario, or just make DP, or just make, make DPI uh, a spot foul, that's what the NFL does, yeah. and that's what the NFL I, I, does. I think that's probably the right direction to go. I mean, it, yeah. it, it would have ended up netting the same same result, spot foul, or 30, yeah, yeah. But still, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was a huge play. But you're right, you know, the dog still scored, and yeah. it ended I, up, you know, basically all coming out of the wash. Yeah. yeah, I I just you know it, these college players are so well coached and so smart now that they know if you're giving up more than twenty yards on a pass play, who cares? Just tackle the guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it might even get worse. You know, I I hate the slippery slope argument, but like, you know, if you are a team, say you're a team that's not quite there. Like you're punching up at competition. Let's say you're like a conference USA team playing an ACC team. Why don't you just tell your cornerbacks, Hey, look, you're slower than they are. They're bigger than you are. Anytime you're beat, just tackle the guy because we'd rather give up 15 yards than a touchdown. Yeah. 
And that's no longer football. That's unwatchable. So the, the point of the rules committee is obviously for safety, but also to keep this sport entertaining. And there's nothing entertaining about watching a potentially electrifying touchdown be negated by a cornerback just going, ah, whatever, I'll give up 15 yards. Who cares? Just so, so, so in soccer, if, that, if this were soccer, that would have been a red card and a penalty. Yeah, I mean, every other sport has, you know... Basket, if I, basketball has it. You, you, yeah, you can't if, do that in I, basketball. That's yeah, two, I, two points in the ball. Yeah, if I have a clear... Clear path you know, foul. Yeah. Clear path foul, it's two free throws and the ball. Not two if, free throws. It was just straight up two points, I'm pretty sure. Or is it two free throws in the ball? Uh, well, I don't but, watch no, the you're NBA. Right. It's two free but, throws in the ball. But but they, they treat it like a technical. Yeah. 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 In hockey and soccer... You get a penalty shot, which is more often than not, you see the the stats on it. Oftentimes, that's like a guaranteed goal. So, so the most punitive thing would be a spot foul, probably. Yeah, I, th- I think this. I think the spot foul is the right way to go here. Well, I, works I think, for me. I think the spot foul is the right way to go here. I mean, for- you you, ne- you don't really ever see this in the NFL. You rarely see it in the NFL. Because it's a spot works foul. for me. Then, mm-hmm. let, then, uh, then I amend my suggestion of a DPI plus unsportsmanlike and go with just spot foul. Works for me. I mean, well, maybe if you tackle them, you 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 carry the unsportsmanlike, but it, it carries the spot foul, which is the enforcement. Yeah. But you get the unsportsmanlike on your record, kind of like a yellow card in soccer, where mm-hmm. you get two unsportsmanlikes. Now, yeah. now you're tossed. So it makes you be a little more careful about tackling yeah. somebody uh, versus just grabbing and holding. Thankfully, um, based on how we've helped uh, fix the uh, targeting call, we know that the NCAA rules committee listens to this show so much. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, a team that could have used uh, a couple calls go their way was Montana state last weekend, because Josh, I know you thought that they, you know, they were going to be able to pull off the upset. I was not so, uh, you know, I, I was not quite on that bandwagon with you and I was vindicated because North Dakota State came out and absolutely kicked the piss out yeah. of Montana State. Didn't help that your guy, um, a lot got injured early yeah. in the game. And so they were effectively down to their third string quarterback because Malat was already the second string quarterback. And North Dakota State just ran up and down and up and down and up and down the field. 380 rushing yards. It was a clinic. It was an absolute clinic. I don't know if there's really you know, a ton to talk about in this game other than North Dakota State just completely out-physicaled Montana State in the FCS title game, giving North Dakota State, I believe, their, what, their seventh ninth, championship? Ninth, ninth and 11 years? Ninth, ninth and 11, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, look, I, I acknowledged on the show that I was picking with my heart. Obviously, North Dakota State was the better team and more talented team. But, look, you, you lose your quarterback on the very first drive of the game. Um, major issue. You, you give up a touchdown. What does Montana State do? Their backup quarterback leads them on a drive that was pretty good. A nine-play drive, 45 yards, and they miss the field goal. You know, you change a couple of these things then it's 21 nothing backup quarterback panics interception uh, i mean it just kind of snowballed i i think you play this game 10 times 
And this is the only one that's a four touchdown blowout. Mm-hmm. This was literally everything that could go wrong for Montana State went wrong. Hats off to North Dakota State for, um, you know, just punishing them on the ground game and stilling their will. It was um, their quarterback, uh, Cam Miller, attempted 13 passes. He might not even have needed to attempt three in this game, um, the way the Bison were running the ball. But uh, I think even the most diehard North Dakota State fan would acknowledge that they're probably not 28 points better than the Bobcats most times out. It's just unfortunate that this incredible FCS playoff had to end with a uh, the starting quarterback getting hurt first drive that that really changed the complexion of this game. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, I, I feel for Montana State, you know, kudos to them for getting all the way there, though, especially after their starter from the regular season, you know, quit on them and jumped in the portal right after the regular season ended before the playoff began. So I don't really honestly have a ton to add on this one. I watched this game. It was more so on the background eventually, you know, pretty quickly actually, because it was such a blowout. I mean, even those 10 points for the Bobcats were pretty cosmetic. Yeah. Well, I, I will say you know, Malott, young kid, Cam Miller, young kid. We'll see these two quarterbacks hopefully duel each other in the playoffs again. That'd be yeah, fun. And sure. also, also, I'd be remiss without mentioning Cam Miller, pride of Solon, Iowa. Solon, Iowa, a town I'm very familiar with. It's like 20 minutes from where I grew up. It was. Uh, it's about halfway in between where my aunt and cousins lived in tiny Lisbon, Iowa. So oftentimes my parents would drive me and my brother to Solon and we'd be meeting my relatives at the Casey's right there in Solon, Iowa, home of gas and great pizza. Uh, and then we'd hop in my aunt and uncle's car and drive on up to Lisbon. So only Solon's in Iowa where the best pizzas at a gas station. Yeah. Solon also has a incredible brewery and a fantastic Neapolitan style pizza place. It's a fun little town. All right. Well, I mean, you know, it, I, I don't know if it has, uh, what was it? The Italian connection. I don't know if anything's ever going to top <laughs> that place, Josh, but you know, uh, shout out to, I don't even know what tiny town in Wisconsin that was. <laughs> uh, is, I, that, is that kind of like the Italian version of drive through sushi? <laughs> pizza at the gas station. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Pretty much. The but it's like uh, fancy in I, Iowa, I guess. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's just like reliable uh, gas station pizza. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So we're going to finish off our show tonight. Uh, We have not released, you know, everyone else has released their All-America teams. We have not done that. We don't do that. We do the All-Legal Motion team and we wait till the end of bowl season because you know what? Bowl performance matters. This is is kind of like... Also, there's too many bowls for us to fit this in. I know. There there, there really is. So, And and of course, um, of course, this is going to be kind of like the the All-Madden team. As as Kate from Maine uh, helps us blow up our podcast, uh, this is going to be this is going to be the, the, the all-American list that the teams that uh, publications look for. Yeah, exactly. And because, you know, we would we do honor the best players, but, you know, we're going to do so in a manner that, as you guys have probably come to know uh, on this show, A, we, we don't always take the 
the route that everyone else is taking. And like we do with most things in the show, Josh and I both have answers and Corey will be the arbiter of justice. Mm-hmm. Or just has too much going on. He's got kid. He's got Georgia podcasts. He's got <laughs> sec after dark. He's, Coaching chatter. He's a, yeah, he's got no, a game. No coaching he's, chatter. Coaching chatter is dead. Um, he's got a game. Well, called Beast of, it's called Beast of the East now. Well, there you go. So, okay. So, Josh, we're going to go draw position. a playbook. We're going to go position by position, yeah. give our pick for all illegal motion and our honorable mentions. And uh, Coach is then going to tell us which one is who of us is right or if we're both wrong and who we should have picked. So, Josh, I will give you the honors of going first at the quarterback position. All right. Well, I went with Kenny Pickett. And the reason I did this is I wanted to right a wrong, which is him not winning the Heisman. And uh, you could call me really pedantic. And I'm just, uh, you know, pain in the butt. And I don't like Alabama or something. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. But here's the thing. The Heisman committee says that the Heisman is awarded for outstanding performance. Okay, Kenny Pickett at that, as did Bryce Young, which best exhibits pursuit of excellence with integrity. Winners epitomize great ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work. Well, Kenny Pickett is a 10th year senior <laughs> playing for a middle-of-the-road ACC team coached by Pat Narduzzi, who are we sure he's a good head coach? I'm not entirely sure if we're convinced. You don't know anything about Pat Narduzzi still. And he's in like year seven. And he put up, but he just won the ACC. Yeah. So (laughs) he's gotta be, you know, he put up absurd numbers. Bryce young is going to be an incredible star. And I would gladly vote for Bryce young in the future, but what perseverance did he need to show this year getting to play behind a full five-star offensive line, throwing to five-star skill position players all over the field? And if he makes a mistake, uh, oh, no worries. He's got a five-star laden defense to help him. Picking Bryce Young as the Heisman Trophy winner in his first year as a starter at Alabama is lazy. Bryce Young Super talented, Kenny Pickett, better story, a better representation of what the Heisman has meant historically, although not in like the last five to 10 years. Josh, I also have Kenny Pickett as my number one all illegal motion quarterback. It And it honestly wasn't close for me. It wasn't close. The I thought about, you know, Bryce Young. I thought about CJ Stroud. You know, I probably should should have thought about Bailey Zapp, uh, who put up obscene numbers. But you know what? Kenny Pickett, ever since pretty much September, to me was the best offensive player in college football, and he deserves this. He, I, I can't even, I, I'm running out of superlatives to use to describe the play of Kenny Pickett this season. Coach, are we right or are we wrong? I, I didn't oh, get sorry. my honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, sorry, I thought we were just going to do our first picks. I'll do oh. my honorable mentions next time. Uh, yeah, my honorable mention was Bailey's app. You mentioned all of his numbers. And I think we got to give a special honorable mention to Spencer Petrus. It's it's pretty I incredible. Mean, he, he overcame Brian Ferentz. Yeah, I mean, 
the the fact that he completed more than 10 passes on the year is really special. <laughs> Coach, are um, we right or should or, or is Bryce Young the correct pick here? You know, you guys you guys kind of convinced me. I, you know, I, I think talent-wise, just raw talent-wise and just watching him play, I think Bryce Young is obviously uh more talented than Kenny Pickett. I think he can do more things. Uh, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are kind of the same cat uh, when it comes to that. I think Bryce Young's got a little bit more moxie about him than CJ Stroud does. But um, when you look at what Kenny Pickett was able to accomplish uh, in the ACC this year, a team that had no business winning the ACC, um, I, I think Kenny Pickett is the right pick here. Ultimately, I, I, I know I said, Matt, to you off air that, that it, it had to be Bryce Young, but you know, I, I think ultimately it's Kenny Pickett. I think you need to also add Sam Hartman to the honorable mentions list. And just for, just for the fact that he showed up on Good Morning America still drunk, uh, you got to give Stetson Bennett an honorable <laughs> mention as well. Um, so, uh, But yeah, no, it's, it's a good pick with Kenny Pickett. So. All right. Uh, I will go first on the running backs. We have two running backs that we're pick, that we're each choosing. My two backs are Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. Uh, he was my RB one, and Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, who was number two. I think Deuce is the best all-purpose back in the country when it comes to when when you just put everything together, running the ball, catching the ball. He can even do in the return game. He's outstanding. Uh, I threw an honorable mention to Zach Charbonnet at UCLA because uh, I just I thought he had a great season uh, in Sean Tucker at Syracuse. Sean Tucker at Syracuse was uh, one of the uh, one, one of the top rushers in the country, finished the season sixth in rushing yards, um, despite playing, you know, one or two less games than most of the guys above him on the list. So I will take Sean Tucker as an honorable mention. Josh, what about you? Well, I totally agree with you for Kenneth Walker the third um, at Michigan State. He should have been invited to New York City. Yes, uh, he I believe is the first ever Doak Walker Award winner to not even be invited to New York City wow. for a Heisman Trophy. I, there's something incredible like that. It's it might I might have the stat somewhat wrong, but because I remember reading it uh, way back during award season, but there, there's something crazy where he's like the first in, in a long time or something like that to not even get a sniff. Um, my RB two, I, I love Deuce Vaughn. He was one of my honorable mentions. Uh, I actually went with the nation's leading rusher, uh, Lou Nichols, the third from central Michigan. Beast. Um, yeah. So central Michigan was sitting at three and two on the season and the rest of the season, they decided, let's just have Lou Nichols be our offense. I want to read out his uh, yards <laughs> in the remaining games. 186, 136, 192, 163, 215, 219, 194, 138 against Wazoo in their bowl win. He just ate up yards for the chips. That was pretty impressive for me. My honorable mentions, I mentioned uh, Deuce Vaughn. Um, I also had two other running backs that I really liked the play of this year. Abram Smith at Baylor, uh, huge for them winning the big 12 and then Tyler, uh, Algieri, uh, from Brigham young was, um, incredible against the PAC 12 teams. Uh, BYU, uh, swept the PAC 12 this year. 
uh, if BYU was in the Pac-12, he probably would have been the Pac-12 running back of the year. That's how good he was in those matchups. So those were my running backs. All, all great selections. I, I've got to ask you guys, what, what, what's your thoughts on Brees Hall? I, I think he, you know, he had about fifteen hundred yards. I mean, he he made yeah. first team AP All American. Um, I'll feel that one because I've seen a lot of Iowa State games this year. Um, quite honestly, in Iowa State's biggest, most important wins, he didn't have it. Um, he had also some unfortunate turnovers uh, against Iowa, for instance. He had a massive fumble that cost them the game. Uh, he's incredible, incredible collegiate career. I even said last year that he would have been my Heisman Trophy winner last year. I love the career of Brees Hall. This year just was not his best season. Okay. And then uh, you, you got to look at uh, a couple other names. Second team All-Americans, Sean Tucker from uh, Matt's Syracuse Orange. And then uh, Tyler Batty from Missouri, I think, was was the top performer at the running back position in the Southeastern Conference. I think he's got an earned mention. I'm not saying that he's he's all uh, he's all illegal motion, but he's definitely got to be in the honorable mention category as well. Uh, Hassan Haskins from Michigan. I don't think Michigan's in the playoff without the performance of Hassan Haskins. He was a third-team All-American. Uh, so I, uh, I I think those guys should get some mention. And then Sincere McCormick, also from the Roadrunners, uh, kind of helped lead the way uh, for them. So I think those are some guys that should get some mention. But I love Deuce Vaughn. I love what he brings to the table for Kansas State. And, of course, uh, Kenneth Walker is uh, the unanimous uh, selection there too as well. All right, let's pick up the pace a little bit here. Uh, Josh, your wide receivers. All right. Well, we've got a lot of overlap on this, so I'll just say the names and my honorable mentions, and then Matt, I'll let you talk about the people that we were consensus on. So uh, we were consensus on Jamison Williams from Bama and Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh. Uh, my one wide receiver that you did not have was Ohio State's Jackson Smith Najigba. Uh, just incredible. He showed that in the Rose Bowl. He was. Uh, in my estimation, out of a very scary Ohio State team, he was the scariest player they had. Um, my honorable mentions, uh, Devin Tompkins at Utah State had some absurd numbers as that team won the Mountain West. Um, and then Western Kentucky, Bailey Zapp put up a ton of yards. And the reason for that is Jareth Stearns, his leading receiver, is absolutely out of his mind in terms of talent. And then finally, a really under-the-radar name, um, Jack Sorensen, Miami of Ohio. He is – he's a baller. Um, I got to see him sporadically during the year, but I watched the entire bowl game. He is basically Miami of Ohio's offense at times. He is such a difference maker. Uh, for a Mac team that I felt the need to include him. Awesome. Yeah. I, my one guy I had on there, I I need to give a shout out to Drake London at USC. He was in, he only played eight games this season, yet he still led the Pac 12 in receiving yards and touchdowns. It didn't matter who was running the ball, whether it was Slovis or Dart. He was just absolutely unstoppable. Uh, I had Smith and Jigba as one of my honorable mentions, uh, as well as uh, Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Just a big physical dude who I love. Jahan Dotson at Penn State. And both Jakari Roberson and A.T. Perry at Wake Forest. Those two teaming with Sam Hartman. That offense is awesome. 
tight end, uh, Josh, we're in agreement here. It's Brock Bowers from Georgia. Well, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold oh, up. Oh, sorry, up, sorry, coach. Up, man. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with all the names that you that you just picked, but we're also leaving out David Bell at Purdue. I I, I don't think that without David Bell, uh, Purdue produces as much as, as they do. He had 1,200 yards, six touchdowns for them but as Matt, well. Or, but, Corey, here's the problem with David Bell's season. He had 1,200 yards. A 1,000 of that was against Iowa. What did he do against other teams? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that's very true. That's true. Uh, yeah, like I said, tight end Brock Bowers, uh, yeah, with I mean, Isaiah likely as, uh, my, you know, my honorable mention, Trey McBride, obviously too. Trey I McBride, think. Trey McBride yeah. won the Mackey, but he only had one touchdown catch on this season. I know he had a ton of yards. Yeah. One well, touchdown. I, I put, I put McBride as my, I, I agreed with, with you on Bowers and, uh, as the winner and likely as the honorable mention. touchdowns. Exactly. Uh, 13, 13, no, if you, 13, if you count the, the title game. Yeah. But I, I did put Trey McBride as an honorable mention. He led the nation in receiving for the tight end position. He did. He was, he was way up there with wide receivers. He only had one touchdown. But a little bit of this is context. Colorado State was a dumpster fire inside a tire fire this year. They Inside of a nuclear coach. meltdown. Yeah. They fired Steve Adazio. Uh, for incredibly long list of reasons, including being just an absolutely terrible coach. The quarterback position was a mess. Every other skill position at Colorado State was a mess. He went into every matchup with the opponent knowing if we triple team him, the Rams ain't doing anything against us. And he still managed to lead the team in receiving be one of the national leaders in receptions. Yeah. I think that speaks to his talent. Yeah, that, so that's that, why that, I gave him an honorable mention. That, that, that's yeah, I mean, a good call. He, he's he's got to be in the list, obviously. So right. that's a great call. All right, Josh, as the former offensive lineman, I'm going to take the offensive line first. I figured you would. Okay. Uh, uh, offensive tackle. I came at Kwonu from NC State was not just the best tackle in the country, but he was the best offensive lineman in the country at any position for me this season, just completely dominant, amazing pass blocker, but even better as a run blocker, Max Mitchell from uh, Louisiana, raging Cajuns, that whole offensive line for the raging Cajuns. I thought about just giving that, giving to them as a unit from man for man, the best, probably easily the best unit in the group of five. You could make a really strong case that way. They are one of the three or four best units in the entire country led by Max Mitchell. And uh, I've got their guard Osiris Torrance as one of my honorable mentions at guard though, Zion Johnson from Boston college, first team all American for a reason, just an absolute mauler, a beast Paris Johnson, from Ohio State as well. Uh, really good, far and away the best offensive lineman on that really high-scoring offense. And the center is, I mean, it is probably the easiest pick of this entire list, and that's Tyler Linderbaum, the center for Iowa. Offensive tackle, uh, my honorable mentions were Kellen Deesh at Arizona State, Evan Neal at Alabama. I already mentioned Osiris Torrance at guard. Um, I should mention, I didn't have a place for him because it didn't, whether it was a tackle or a guard, but uh, Coach's guy, Sawyer at uh, Sawyer, at, yeah. Sawyer at, uh, at at Georgia. I mean, he plays both tackle and guard. I'm just going to put in as my honorable mention swing offensive lineman. And then uh, Wisconsin's Joe Tipman uh, at center was outstanding all season. So this is going to be easy. I think we had literally the exact same list, just some of them 
I had as my winner, some of them as an honorable mention. The only name that I had that you did not mention, Matt, that I want to give a shout out to is Kentucky's incredible tackle, Darian Kennard. Oh, he's amazing. Um, I, I actually, I'm regretting not having yeah. him on my list. Um, yeah, that dude is uh, a beast. Among, among other accolades, uh, PFF graded him as the college uh, best run blocking tackle mm-hmm. for this yeah. season. Yeah. Um, he, he had an incredible year. Coach, anything to add? Uh, do, did we include Max Mitchell at, at Louisiana and Connor Galvin? Baylor? We, we, we had we had Max Mitchell. Uh, I had he was my number he was my number two offensive tackle. Okay. I, yeah, um, I was going to say that there were so many names you listed. I was like, yep, spot on, spot <laughs> yep, on, spot yep. on, spot on, spot on. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of got lost in there. So. Mitchell, uh, yeah, Louisiana had my it was the only team that had multiple guys there for me with Mitchell and Osiris Torrance. Yeah, and I, I think at the center position also Michael Maetti uh, from Missouri should get some love as well. Mm. Uh, one of the few things Missouri did actually uh, did well. So, um, and what's crazy is uh, Linderbaum was uh, first team All American at the center position, and Lidstrom uh, from Boston College mm, was second Lidstrom, team yeah. uh, All American uh, at, at the center position. Another He's great really option. I, I think a potential name down the road. Uh, a name to watch out for on our 2022 all illegal motion watch list, Spencer Van Pran as a center from Georgia had Great a hum- had a tremendous uh, playoff Yeah, uh, battling, you know, coming back from injury, had a tremendous playoff against Michigan and Alabama uh, to help bolster that offensive line for Georgia. So keep, keep, uh, keep an eye out on him. All right, Josh, take us to the defensive line. All right. Well, we're going to have a lot of overlap here. We both have Jordan Davis Duh. at Georgia. Um, one of the names that I had that you did not have, Matt, is uh, Demarvin Leal. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's Texas, so good at Texas A&M. He's so uh, good. I, I think the way A&M kind of uh, sort of hit their ceiling during the season, uh, ending, you know, not in contention for any title, and then they obviously didn't play their bowl game. He might have slipped some people's minds, but um, I, I know he's on some of the All American lists. Uh, PFF. Also rated him as the top interior defense alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, he just had a phenomenal season, but I'll I'll yield the floor to you because you had. Uh, I also had Jordan, Jordan Davis was the one yeah. of the easiest picks from uh, yeah. for the number one guy. Uh, I had Kalaja Kansi from Pitt, uh, who was the best defensive lineman in the ACC this year. I and I just I love watching him play. He is a little bit undersized, you know, obviously Pitt, the Aaron Donald comps are going to come. Obviously no one's Aaron Donald. He's not as strong as Aaron Donald, but Cansey is so disruptive. Love watching him play. And then honestly on Georgia too, Jalen Carter. I mean, you could throw Wyatt in there too. Basically say Wyatt was the set was the second team all American selection. Wyatt, I think overall had a better season than Jalen Carter. Yeah. So I, I would I would go with Wyatt. Yeah, either Carter, Carter or Wyatt. Wyatt. I mean, yeah. all, all three of those guys, quite frankly, they're all incredible. So yeah. you, you're set with any of them. Coach, anyone to add? Um, yeah, I was going to add uh, Haskell Garrett from uh, from Ohio State. I thought he yeah. had a yeah. he had a good season there. I, I think uh, also when you look at uh, you know you said Kalijah Cansey really loved that selection. Uh, George George Carl uh, Aftis from from Purdue. So Carl Aftis, yeah. Karloftis, yeah, I knew I would butcher that name. Um, I, I think he gets some love. Yeah, he's um, going to be a top ten pick. Yeah, Phil, Phil Darian Mathis, I thought had a had a nice season for Alabama. 
Um, and and there, there's some other just, you know, the defense, the interior defensive line positions are so, so unsung that like if, if you're being mentioned, it means you had a special, special, special season. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a lot of there's a lot of big, big hogs on the inside uh, that, that deserve one, a lot of love. I had one more name. I accidentally uh, on our spreadsheet dropped him down a line. I put him as an edge rusher, but I, I think he plays more in the interior. That's Western Michigan's Ali Fayad had 13 sacks on the season, one of the nation's uh, leading sack getters. Um, but what impressed me the most is just he seemed to come up really big in Western Michigan's most important games. Um, he didn't fill up the stat sheet, but when you watch the tape against Pitt um, in that upset win for the Broncos, he had a really nice game. Uh, in the bowl game, he was all over Nevada, just ate them up, um, and then – was a stellar Mac performer. So I, I wanted to give Fayad an honorable mention. As Definitely we good call. This. Definitely good call. Okay. Edge edge players. I mean, we're going to be in agreement here, Josh. Aiden yeah. Hutchinson and Will Anderson. Uh, definitely cut above the rest here uh, for first team. I had my honorable mentions as uh, Kingsley Anigbari from South Carolina. He was the South Carolina defense by himself, a team that finished the season, what, seven and six, I think, which mm-hmm. no one expected. And, uh, Cameron Thomas from San Diego State, one of the leading uh, sack getters in the entire country. He was just, you know, he was great. Yeah, he finished. Uh, uh, he finished in the top five in sacks in the country. He was, you know, just really strong and had one of the highest PFF grades of anyone in the country. Yeah, I think when you look at uh, edge rushers, you know, obviously the two obvious ones that stand out are Will Anderson and Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Matt, great selections on your uh, honorable mentions there. Also, I think Jermaine, uh, if we're considering Jermaine Johnson an edge rusher yeah, for I Florida would. State, he, he was ACC player of the defensive player of the year. Um, I, I think a, a guy that played himself into the honorable mention and 2022 watch list was Dallas Turner. Uh, from uh, from Alabama as yeah as he just he didn't do enough during the regular season he came on no, more no, so he he, he didn't but he's now on the radar I, oh, I think sure. because because of his playoff run and his coming out party in the national championship game so he's somebody that needs mention but he's like a like down the list honorable mention there I, I think when you look at also uh, his teammate Christian Harris also had a tremendous season uh, you look at Nolan Smith from Georgia. Uh, as an honorable mention, he had a big, uh, big, you know, big season in uh, with with sacks. And I don't know where we put Trayvon Walker on this list because uh, he is a four technique uh, with uh, at, at Georgia. If we put him at defensive line, e- either way, he's an honorable mention in this category as well. I mean, Georgia's got a lot of superlatives on on their defense. So, uh, but all all great choices uh, on the edge rushers. I really like. Uh, Kingsley Ingbare from South Carolina. I thought he was he was he was one of the reasons why that defense kind of went the way it went. He took over the Florida game, so uh, I, I really really love those those selections there. All right, Josh, you're up for the linebackers. All right, well we agree on Nakobe Dean for Georgia. We both Duh. had him winning. Um, I had uh, Leo Chanel as an honorable mention, someone that you have at the top line. Uh, my other honorable mention was Iowa's leading tackler, Jack Campbell. Who just announced he's coming back for next season. He is, yeah. He also had several interceptions, uh, several pass defended. As Iowa stays in their base 4-3, he is called upon to do a whole lot of stuff. I wanted to, to honor that as Iowa won 10 games solely because of their defense. 
Um, and then my other winner that you has a, have as an honorable mention is Utah's uh, kind of like do it all, Mister Fix It, Devin Lloyd. Yeah, was absolutely phenomenal for the Pac-12 champions. The yeah, Swiss Army knife. You, you named them, and the other one, other one I got. Uh, I had Dean and Chanel's my first team, but Lloyd is interchangeable. And the other guy I want to know was Malcolm Rodriguez from Oklahoma State, uh, who was just a simply a tackling machine uh, and the heart and soul of an Oklahoma state defense that was just phenomenal all season. He finished sixth in the country in tackles with 129 and someone else I didn't put on the list, but it should shout out is Chad Muma from Wyoming. The nation's leading tackler yep. mm-hmm. had 142 tackles this season. Yep. I was, I was gonna, you stole my thunder on that one, Matt. I love your, I love your first team selections. Love your honorable mentions. I, I think Nick Benito uh, from Oklahoma and Andre Carter, uh, the second uh, from Army, I think also uh, should get some mention as well. Should get some love at the linebacker position there. Army Army having a tremendous season there and, and Andre Carter being a big reason on their defense. So uh, some really, really good linebackers uh, in, in this year. Linebacker play just all season across the country. It was outstanding. I had, I had Andre Carter originally on my list. I think I somehow – Deleted his name as we were going. Where I had an army person somewhere. Oh, I don't know. I, I swear, I, I swear I had Andre Carter the second on my list as he types it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, if we, if we open the Google document previous versions, I had because as soon as you said his name, I was like, wait, how did I not mention him? All right. Uh, cornerback. Uh, for me, this is pretty straightforward. Roger McCreary and Sauce Gardner at Cincinnati. Uh, McCreary at Auburn, obviously. Uh, McCreary is, he's a lockdown man, coach. I mean, you, you saw him play. He's hes ridiculous. Uh, his yeah. teammate, Smoke Monday, would be on my all-name team, but uh, he didn't quite and make it. And also the, the all-targeting all team, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, honorable mentions, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M big rangy dude uh, who who's really really good and Riley Moss he missed he he missed too much of the season to make it for me uh, on the first team but he's just a ball hawk. Well I appreciate the Riley Moss shout out um but yeah he he was he was too injured uh, for me. I had Sauce as well. Uh, love sauce. Mc, yeah, love McCreary as well. I did go with Marcus Jones um, as my first I have first Marcus team. Jones somewhere else on my list. Uh, I, I know. I, I would have, if I actually wrote out my list, I would have Marcus Jones as an honorable mention. But yeah. Yeah, Sauce, Sauce and Mercury, to me, are the, are the best two. Yeah. yeah for, uh, the reason I included Marcus Jones, he had five <laughs> interceptions uh, this year. Um, he also had 47 total tackles. Um, and Thibodeau's and, an edge guy, too. we got to yeah, give him yeah. some. And he was injured for a while too. But yeah. yeah. And but when you see Houston season, when you see Houston season losing their opening week and then ripping off uh, 11 straight uh, to make the title game was really impressive. I was even tempted to give Dana Holgers coach of the year. I, I looked at it for a little bit. Um, so I was just kind of in love with some of Houston's players and I chose to slot Marcus Jones in there. Yeah, he got first team uh, DB, which means I guess the all around DB, the kind of the kind of like the first team all purpose back. That's kind of like the first team all purpose defensive back. So Marcus Jones got that as far as AP All American squad. So very good selections there at the cornerbacks. A lot of good options, uh, but I think those are the best of the best. So I, I, you guys hit the nail on the head with those. 
Okay. Um, safety, Josh. All right. Well, um, I felt a little weird giving them both um, first team safety. So I, I put Jalen Petrie. Why didn't you? you should, I think you should. Have. I think you should as my said- as my number one. And I put JT Woods as an honorable mention. Uh, the the season Baylor had, they were so strong defensively, and their two safeties were phenomenal all year round. Uh, David Randa was also someone I looked at for coach of the year. Uh, my other safety. Uh, this is someone who I don't think is on any, on any list anywhere. And so you might be wondering who the hell is Corey Bethely from Hawaii. And I'll tell you why uh, he caught my attention. Sometimes there's a such a ridiculous stat that you have to honor it. So Hawaii was kind of a train wreck this year at times. but <laughs> You don't say. But Bethely gave it his all as a safety. Can I interest you in 99 tackles, 72 of them solo? It's not I bad. mean, it, it, he had evidently no one playing in front of him. You don't want your safety to have that many tackles, but he was phenomenal. He also found a way to have four sacks, two forced fumbles, recovered a fumble, and five interceptions, and one of those interceptions was a pick six. So just in sheer insanity of numbers, I gave some love to Hawaii's Corey Bethley as my other safety. So for me, going into the title game, I had Lewis Seen as my first-team All-American safety, and I feel very vindicated for that. Uh, I had Brad (laughs) Hawkins from Michigan as well. Uh, and Quentin Lake at UCLA. Uh, but Josh, like I feel shame for not having either Baylor safety there. That's okay. That's, that's why we share each other's lists so we can give as much love to as many players as humanly possible. Coach, any, any suggestions, additions and alterations? Uh, no, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think with the defensive backs, I, I think, when you look at corners and safeties, I, I think it's been pretty straightforward as far as who the top performers are. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I I don't know if we again we, we've listed a bunch of names. I don't know if we listed Verone McKinley and and what 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 we thought about him. Uh, but I love Jalen Petrie at Baylor. Um, I thought he was tremendous all season long. I, you know, anytime I watched Baylor play, it was Petrie here, Petrie there, Petrie here, and and, and that dude is just. Uh, beast man he i felt like he took over that old miss game too a little bit yeah he he was he was really solid uh hit man and then we we have a flex position here and josh we we both went with the same flex player which i think is kind of funny uh jaquan mcmillan from east carolina now if unless you're a really big purple pirates fan or just super in to the AAC, you probably don't know who he is. Uh, he racked up the number one PFF coverage grade in the country this season at five nine one seventy seven, and that's a buck seventy seven soaking wet. Because if you've ever seen him, I think he's probably closer to five seven one sixty one sixty five. Maybe he is scrawny, but my God, is he scrappy? Uh, third in the nation in interceptions this season, and you know he's just—he's he, phenomenal, man. He's absolutely phenomenal in coverage, and he just sticks to guys like glue. He's so twitchy, he's so quick, and I—I I love watching him play. 
Yeah, just uh, full disclosure, um, we put our spreadsheet together, and Matt put his on first because he's the eager beaver. And then it gives me a chance to, like, go way off to left field, like being like, oh, wow, a Hawaii safety had 72 solo tackles. I'm going to make him first-team All-American. But then with the flex position, I saw an East Carolina player, and I'm like – I'm like, wait, I think I remember seeing that guy play Google his name to refresh my memory. And then Matt, I'm like you, as soon as I saw all of his stats pop up in this PFF grade and stuff, I was like, this is a no brainer. This gets phenomenal. He's amazing. He's, he's fantastic. Coaching when you add on, want to add on the flex. Yeah. Keely Ringo. All right. Keely. Um, Yeah. Keely Ringo. I, I think, uh, PFF had him really highly graded. It it took a, it took people a while. Uh, I think it took six games into the season for anyone to have even a a catch on him. So, um, and and they targeted him a, a fair amount. So I, I think you you got to throw in Keely Ringo just for the sheer fact that he didn't really allow a catch uh, for most of the season. Yeah. Um, okay. Specialists. <clears throat> Uh, punter, the other easiest choice of the entire season. Matt Arrays at San Diego State, not just the best punter this year, maybe the best punter in the history of college football. And I yes. don't have anything to add there because, I mean, yes, I had Jordan Stout from Penn State as my second team, but he was so, like the gap between Matt Areza and everybody else at his position is so much bigger than anything else. Well, I went with uh, Adam Corsak at Rutgers and the reason as your honorable with, mention, not yeah, as, as your... yeah, as my honorable mention, uh, he was one of the leaders in net punting, which is pretty important because that means that you're not giving up a lot of returns. It's one thing to punt at 60 yards and then have your coverage be terrible at net of 30. Uh, he had a really good net and he had a really good net on 72 punts on the season. He was called on a lot, and uh, as Rutgers had to do a lot of field position game, very similar to Iowa, as you don't have an offense, it's <laughs> punting becomes super, super important. And uh, I, I thought Adam Corsak was kind of the East Coast version of what Arasia was with the Aztecs. Let me just throw out some uh, Matt Arasia stats. Yeah. 79 punts. 51.2 average. That's insane. He was also the team's kicker and was 45 for 45 on extra points. Yeah. Just insane. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay. Uh, Josh, we also, I believe, have the same kicker, Caleb Shudek. We do. And uh, I'm sure... It's a good thing some... I agree with you guys on the, on the specialist. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure there's some listeners going like <clears throat> why Shudek when um, Michigan's Jake Moody won the Lou Groza. Uh, he- here's the thing for Shudek. Iowa had a real hard time moving the ball. He attempted 30 or excuse me, 13 field goals from 40 yards or longer. And he only missed two of them. Uh, he also went 100% on his extra points. I think 
yes, there are people with a higher field goal percentage. Yes, there are people that um, made more field goals. But for Iowa's absolutely stagnant offense, he was called upon. Uh, you rarely see this. You rarely, Just to give you a highlight of his weird stats, from one-yard field goal to 19-yard field goals, he attempted not. He did not attempt a field goal inside 20 yards. Uh, from 20 to 29, 6 of 7, 30 to 39, 7 of 8, 40 to 49, a perfect 7 for 7. Um, he bailed out Iowa countless times when their drives stalled at about the 30-yard line. Uh, he, he was a lifesaver, and that's why I gave it to Shudak. Um, I also had one other honorable mention. I, I had Jake Moody as an honorable mention because he was awesome at Michigan. But out at Boise, uh, Jonah Dalmas was phenomenal as well. Coach, anyone to add? No, I mean, I, I you know, I think you got to uh, in, in the kicking world. You have to, uh, I think, def- defaulting to the Lou Groza Award uh, winner is a, is a really good choice. So I'm, I'm gonna go with Jake Moody as my choice. I love all your honorable mentions, but I'm gonna go with the Lou Groza Award winner, uh, Jake Moody, for me. Awesome. Okay. Um, did you mention your honorable mention, Matt? My honorable mention. Oh, I did not. Harrison Melvis or Mevis, I should say, from Mizzou. Nice. Mevis. Returner. Josh, you had him as a corner. Uh, Marcus Jones, though, was the best returner in the country. He, Mar- Marcus Jones, for the season, had, uh, I believe, three uh, kickoffs return for touchdowns and two punts return for touchdowns. And uh, averaged, um, and in, in terms of, uh, I, I think he was top five or top ten in, in in average return yards as well. Just, just fantastic from start to finish, and not just big returns at any time, but impact returns late in the game. He takes one to the house for Houston um, against SMU to uh, end up having Houston uh, beat SMU late, late, late in that game. Uh, I just, you know, I, I thought he was fantastic all, uh, all season. And, you know, uh, Zonovan Knight from North Carolina State also wanted to give a mention to here. But, uh, the, but, but Marcus Jones, though, I mean, he was fantastic. Yeah, he, uh, he had, sorry, two kick returns for uh, for touchdowns, average 34 yards per return, two punt returns for touchdowns, average 14 and a half yards per punt return, which is, if you know anything about punt returns, that's a ridiculous number. Ridiculous number. So, Josh? Well, uh, I did not become a homer and, and put Charlie Jones, even could though have. He, I, and I, I wouldn't have been <laughs> Even though he was awesome. Um, I... Uh, I loved Knight and Jones as well, and I was tempted to have boring podcast and do the exact same names. But I wanted to give some love to a few other players. Uh, the first, uh, I gave it as my return of the year, Brian Batty. Uh, South Florida had mm. a pretty long season uh, to get through, but Brian Batty averaged 31 yards on his 21 kickoff returns. And he took exactly three of the back for touchdowns. Um, I just wanted to applaud Brian Batty for leading the nation in touchdown returns on kickoffs. 
Um, and then my honorable mentions, uh, we saw him in that Rose Bowl. He was awesome. Uh, uh, Britton Covey. Britton Covey, Utah, yeah. Uh, was Soon to a, be a New England Patriot. Yep. Yep. And then there was, there was one last one. You guys know when, when a stat – is just an outlier. I, I love to to bring up the outlier stats. So I'm going to bring out the outlier stat that is Alan Lamar from Arkansas State. Uh, this one is this one's a little goofy. So um, Arkansas State did not have a good year. They gave up a lot of touchdowns, which means that Alan Lamar had 57 kickoff return attempts <laughs> and as a result had 1,300 yards that's more than 500 yards more than the next person yeah. so he led the nation by far in kickoff return yards and his average was really good he had uh, over uh, 23 yards per return he had a, a hundred yard kickoff return for a touchdown and had two returns for touchdowns as well. So uh, Arkansas State, the Red Wolves were an abomination this year, but we cannot blame Alan Lamar for their terrible season. So I, I applaud Mr. Lamar. Awesome. Coach? I, I love all of those selections. I, I have a soft spot for Britton Covey because uh, Washington too just – just take over the Rose Bowl, man. That was uh, that was fun, uh, but th- these are all great selections. I mean, I, I think you know, uh, anytime you can lead the, anytime you have the the leader in the country in return yards, I, I think that's usually a good selection. Uh, but Brian Batty is a good one. Marcus Jones is a great selection. Zonovan Knight, uh, you know, Alan Lamar. I mean, all, all of these guys are exciting, electrifying to watch as as kick returners. All right, uh, finally, superlatives. Start with defensive player of the year. Uh, I, 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 I feel negligent because I feel like, I feel like Josh's pick was actually better than mine. I went with Will Anderson just because he had so many sacks and was so dominant, but quite frankly, Josh, I'll let you take the floor. All right. Well, mine is quite simple. Defense wins championships. Georgia had a historically phenomenal defense this year, but Someone on our show watched every minute of every Georgia game this season. So, Coach, tell us who is Georgia's Defensive Player of the Year, and that will then become my Defensive Player of the Year. Nicobe Dean. Easily. There we go. All right. There we go. It's Nicobe Dean. And I, and I will second that. I will second that. Josh, who's your Offensive Player of the Year? Well, I kind of teased it with my uh, diatribe on what the Heisman Trophy is according to their own people representing. So I went with Pickett. Um, just again, he's a, he's a 20th year senior. He's 55 playing college football. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> I also had Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Go, go, go ahead and give it to Pickett. I, I think, uh, you know, again, you look at honorable mentions, just look at our quarterback list and yeah. you'll see. Uh, coach of the year. I went, there are a, ton of good choices here uh i went with dave clausen at wake forest with a really really long look at dave aranda at baylor uh, as like the the closest of runner-ups but i went with dave clausen 
because what he did with that team in Wake Forest is, I don't think most people realize how difficult the Wake Forest job is. Wake Forest has the smallest enrollment of any Power 5 school. Wake Forest has ridiculous academic standards. They should be the Vanderbilt of the ACC, but instead they are, they were in the title games. What well, they finished the year 11 and two, 11 and three, this 11 is the three. highest ranking in school history, school history. So give me Dave Clawson. So I absolutely love Dave Clawson. I was going to probably pick Dave Clawson, but then we would just have a boring podcast. Uh, I also looked at Aranda for a really, really, really long time. I decided to go with Jeff Trailer from from UTSA, Meet Meet, their Roadrunners. Uh, this is a team that started the year 11-0. They got nationally ranked. They won their conference, uh, got to a bowl game. They came up just short in their bowl game. But uh, whatever he is selling, uh, his players are buying. And so I wanted to give a shout-out to that. I also gave Blake Anderson an honorable mention. Uh, when we did our Mountain West preview, Utah State was kind of an afterthought for us. They really took their division um, by storm, and then they just obliterated San Diego State in the title game, then obliterated their opponent in the bowl game. Uh, they ended the year uh, nationally ranked, I believe. They were the only team from Utah to win their bowl game. And, yes, all all three teams from Utah were ranked at the end of the season. So uh, phenomenal year for Blake Anderson and his Aggie team. Uh, I mean, I think when you think of coach of the year, I, I I don't think there's a single coach in the entire country that embodies it more than Nick Rolovich. I mean, that guy is, <laughs> uh, that guy's a specimen, man. Uh, he, and then the honorable mention has got to be Jimmy Lake, right? <laughs> <laughs> we we got to find a place for Bluetooth on this list also. His own he, he, son entered the transfer portal. He, he's got to get back in the game, right? I didn't where, see where is that. Wait, Hawaii. His oh, own he, oh, that's right. son entered the transfer portal. That yeah. is the – oh, my God. That is, that is phenomenal stuff. What Have, the, the state senate for Hawaii has been holding hearings on <laughs> what's going on with their athletic department. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Okay, it's getting it's getting bad. No, my my series selection. Um, I mean, I'll, you know, obviously the 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 obvious pick and probably a, the the laziest pick would be Kirby Smart, but I, I think you got to look beyond that. I love the Dave Clawson selection with Wake Forest, what he did with that team. Uh, the Jeff Trailer selection, I think, uh, is great. Blake Anderson, all great selections. I, I think we have to have something for Luke Fickle for getting his team yep. into the playoff at Cincinnati. I, I think you've got to look at, obviously, Dave Aranda. I think that's a good choice there. The The problem with Cincinnati was phenomenal last year, too. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, 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 they're too good for two seasons in a row. Okay. Freshman of the year. I limited this to true freshmen. I did not consider redshirt freshmen. I just considered true freshmen. Um, and I went with Travion Henderson out of Ohio state, uh, the tailback who is, has one of the fastest acceleration speeds I've ever seen. There were a couple times where he would catch a screen pass and go from zero to 60 in the blink of an eye. It was unbelievable, uh, with, 
uh, it really, and I, I, this is basically a co award. I, I didn't want to have to choose one, but uh, Brock Bowers at, at Georgia. Brock Bowers carried Georgia's offense. Uh, he, he was Georgia's offense. He, he was the best player. You take him off that offense, and I, I don't know that we're in the title game. That's my selection. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I ignored true freshman versus redshirt freshman. I just went with freshman that, that stood out to me. CJ Stroud. Uh, for Ohio State, got better and better and better and better as the season went on. Great call, uh, CJ Stroud. He's phenomenal. Uh, there were two offensive linemen that also caught my eye that I wanted to give an honorable mention to. Uh, Connor Colby at Iowa uh, played really well um, uh, at times. Uh, had uh, had some really overpowering play. Um, he only allowed one sack and committed just two penalties. Um, as the season as the season went on, but uh, my true honorable mention because I didn't want to be a homer was uh, Wake Forest has been absent from my list. I loved Wake Forest this year. Hartman was amazing. Dave Clawson was amazing. So where am I going to give some love to Wake Forest? I'm going to give some love to freshman offensive lineman Devonte Gordon at Wake Forest. He started that is a t- deep cut, my friends. Yeah, he started the entire season at right tackle for the demon deacons as a freshman. Um, so pretty impressive stuff for wake forest's offense this year. And they needed somebody blocking for that offense. And Devonte garden really did it since day one, literally. Cause he's a freshman. <laughs> yeah, literally. And uh, uh, assistant coach of the year, Matt, who'd you have? Dan Lanning, Georgia nice. defensive coordinator. I not a uh, n- not really that that tough for me to choose. Yeah. Who did that uh, win in the Broyles? Because it wasn't Lanning. It was not Lanning. It was the person that Josh chose. Yeah, um, very very similar t- defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. We saw some incredible defenses this year. I went with Jim Knowles at Okie State. I, I just think the way he elevated. The, uh, the Pokes. I know they came up just short in that Big 12 title game. They would have been in the playoffs uh, potentially with that win and probably if, if Georgia hadn't lost that SEC title game. But um, this Cowboy team was just totally different than any other ones that the mullet had, and it's because they actually played some defense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, I got to go with Dan Lanning, but an honorable mention for me would be, I mean, you have to look at Mark Whipple, uh, what he did at Pitt and and, yep. and their uh, their ACC championship run and, and getting Kenny Pickett in the Heisman uh, in the Heisman consideration. You, you got to you got to give that some mention as well. And the go to the year, it has to be me and all my fellow Iowa fans for sitting through the worst double digit win team. In America, how are we ranked 23rd? I don't know. We can't move the ball. We can't score any points. Iowa fans that watched a Brian Ferentz coached offense for, let's see, 12 regular season games, title game, bowl game. So that is uh, 14 14. games of Brian Ferentz, and I watched every minute of it. What is wrong with my life? Please. (laughs) Somebody tell me. Um, I'll, I'll tell you an even worse goat of the year were the 13,000 people that watched the Brian Ferentz outside zone <laughs> clinic. <laughs> Josh, I'm also going to nominate myself uh, as a goat of the year because I'm a Vanderbilt season ticket holder. Ooh. Hmm. Well, we need these two worlds to collide 
next head coach of the Commodores, Brian Ferris. You know what? <laughs> he would be an upgrade. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. I, even a Brian Ferentz coach team is not going to lose to East Tennessee State 20 to 3 on opening week. <laughs> Yikes. Go Yikes. go to the year. Uh, Mike Norvell on signing day. <laughs> Getting dominated by by Coach Prime. <laughs> and didn't and Coach Prime just picked picked off another guy from him too, that's, a, a receiver at, yeah. at the All American Bowl. Yep. <laughs> So, that's, that's why I said that. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, that's tough, man. That's tough. Uh, Dan, Dan Mullen for completely uh, Dan Mullen go to the year for completely collapsing at Florida. Well, and obviously Rolovich. And oh yeah, Rolovich. I mean Rolovich, yeah. Jimmy Lake, um, and you know what, Spencer Rattler, and and, mm. and Coach O. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think I, I think it's uh, Coach O's nether regions are, are really the ones to blame here. Right. So well, uh, last thing. I mean, I guess we'll probably know here in the next few days. Probably by the time we do our next show, maybe. Uh, anyone's gut telling them Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh to the Dolphins about, about the NFL. A lot of sm- a lot of smoke. Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, is the biggest booster. He's given over to Michigan. He's given over five hundred million dollars to the University he- of Michigan. Ross claimed, Ross claimed it wasn't looking at Well, he has to say that for Rooney rule purposes. Yeah. So I don't, you know what, or he's going to go to the bears, but what I really, there's also been some smoke about Ryan Ryan day Day to the bears. Bears, Yeah. Yeah, uh, They they just interviewed Doug Peterson today. The bears did. So yeah, they're just trying, they they have to interview a certain amount of people. So Peter, something can get out of the way, whatever. It looks like Bill O'Brien might be the next head coach of the Jaguars. So uh, Alabama fans, I think will be happy about that. that. I think that move. I think Alabama fans will be happy about that. I would love Nick Saban to hire Brian Ferentz. I want to see Brian Ferentz with five-star players. Is it Brian or is it the players? (laughs) It's Brian. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I, I think on that on uh, on that hopeful note, well, we're gonna end up. We're gonna finish today's podcast and wrap up, gentlemen. Our seventh. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait. We we legitimately buried a lead. We legitimately buried a lead. Arkansas had one of the best turnarounds ever, and not a single player or coach nope. made anything. Tra- that was nope. egregious. Traylon Burks was an honorable was- mention wide receiver for me. That that was it. That's all yep, they got. Traylon Burks. I, I think in honor of Sam Pittman. There was two. There, Sam Pittman is honorable mention off. coach of the year. <laughs> turn the damn jukebox on. KJ Jefferson. There's just too many quarterbacks to, yeah, for him to yeah, make the honorable mention list. Yeah, yeah. So um, are they are maybe bumper pool. Maybe bumper pool could have been a, an honorable mention linebacker. Are they are are they are super sneaky sexy pick to win the SEC next year? Next year's SEC title game is going to be no. (laughs) Next year's SEC title game is going to be Arkansas versus South Carolina. Book it. There we go. Ooh, let's get it. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm feeling frisky. All right. Well, uh, until then, betonline.ag. Yeah, uh, guys. Guys, uh, congratulations on finishing up our seventh season. Yeah, it's only our third good one. (laughs) What are we, Northwesterns? We only do even years. No, yeah. it's uh, it's it's our, but Matt, it's not our seventh season. It's our first season as two morons and a Georgia fan. <laughs> this is true. Well, uh, well, to be fair, we've always been two morons and a Georgia fan. We just rebranded, but ne- never officially. 
So, all right, guys. Well, uh, it's a pleasure as always. We'll be back uh, probably in a week or two from now, uh, talking some off-season stuff, getting into some off-season fun. But so, uh, until next time, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Counting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois. This is the Professor Emeritus in the Music City saying so long, and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.